This morning, I'd like you to take a second and think of a time in your life when you had to stand up for something that you believed in. When I was younger, I grew up going to a Lutheran school my whole life. So from preschool all the way through college, I attended a Lutheran school. And in high school, uh, I had a friend who went to the public school in town. Her name was Krista. And she had grown up in the Catholic Church, uh, but at a very young age, her family stopped going. And, And so she had a little background in Christianity, but not a lot. And she knew I went to this Lutheran high school, and so she knew I, I knew a lot about the Bible, and so she'd ask me questions all the time. Krista was big into biology and science. In fact, now she's a veterinarian. But one day, as we're talking about spiritual things, she asked me, she said, you don't believe in creation, right? I know you believe in the Bible, but you don't actually believe that God created the world in six days, do you? I said, yes, I do. But have you seen the scientific evidence? Have you seen what they discovered? Yes, I have. Then how in the world could you believe in creation? What could I say? What would you have said? I answered with, well, because the Bible says so. How do you think she responded? That is naive. That is ignorant. Are you kidding me? You are being stubborn. Open your eyes. You're being an idiot. As Christians, how do we feel in that situation? Maybe we do feel a little foolish, don't we? Maybe a little embarrassed. Maybe it makes us question whether or not what we believe is really true or not. Maybe we do just feel like an idiot. And yet that's nothing compared to being threatened for sticking to God's Word. In the early 1500s, Martin Luther was a pastor in the Catholic Church. He was a priest. And as he dug into Scripture more, he realized that what the church was teaching at the time wasn't in line with God's Word. At the time, they were going around saying, if you want forgiveness, you have to buy this indulgence. Pay us some money, and you, the, the higher the, the money you give, the more forgiveness you've just bought yourself. They said, if you really want to make up for your sins, for what you've done to God, you need to go out and do penance to make up for your actions. And Luther began to read God's Word, and he said, this isn't right. Scripture says it's by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourself, it's a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And so he, pro- he started to preach that. He started to teach that to the people until finally, on October 31st, 1517, 499 years ago, he nailed to the church doors in Wittenberg uh, 95 theses or statements that he wanted to discuss with other priests. Areas in, in church and, and in what their teachings that he wanted to discuss because they didn't line up with the Bible, but no one would talk with him. 
And so he continued to write. He wanted his people that he pastored to know of the free forgiveness, this peace that he had because of what Scripture says. And then finally, in 1521, Luther was called forward. Called forward before the two most powerful men in the world at the time. The Holy Roman Emperor and the Pope. And in front of a big council, the Pope said, Luther, are these your writings? And they had all the books that Luther wrote, and he said, yes. And the Pope said, here's what you have to do. You have to recant. Take back everything you've said. Otherwise, you'll be branded a heretic. And what that meant was he could be killed on sight. And Luther said, can I have a night to think about it? He wrestled all night in prayer. All night in prayer with God, what should I do? And the next day he came back and he said this, Unless I am convinced by the testimony of the Scriptures, or by clear reason, for I do not trust either in the Pope or the councils alone, since it is well known that they have often erred and contradicted themselves, I am bound by the Scriptures that I have quoted. And my conscience is captive to the Word of God. I cannot and I will not retract anything since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. I cannot do otherwise. Here I stand. God help me. Amen. With his life on the line, Luther said, I'm bound by Scripture. And so are we. This morning we're going to take a look at three reasons why we are bound by the Scriptures. And the first one is because it is God's Word. It is inspired, is what that means. Second Peter 1, 19-21 says, We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So I have an agree or disagree question for you this morning. Agree or disagree, the Bible contains God's Word. As you're thinking of that, I want to tell you a story. I have a friend who's a pastor, and he was at a conference with a bunch of other pastors from different Christian denominations. Some denominations that don't believe that the Bible is God's Word. And so he's at a table with other pastors, and and he hears the other pastors say, our biggest problem today is that people don't recognize that the Bible is God's Word. And so he wanted to press them a little bit on that. And he said, well, what do you mean by that? Because uh, there's a lot of hard sayings in Scripture and a lot that goes against our culture today. So what do you mean that it's God's Word? And they said, well, it's all on how you interpret it. Those hard places, they can be interpreted different ways. What did they just do to God's Word? What did they just do to the Bible? They made it contain God's Word. In other words, yes, God's Word is in the Bible. It can be found in there, 
but you have to look for it. It's not all God's Word. Does the Bible contain God's Word? No, the Bible is God's Word. From Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation 22 verse 21, it is God's Word. Every last word of it. It doesn't matter where you're reading. This is God's revealed will to us. It's not man's word about God. It's God's word about mankind. It tells us where we came from, what we're doing here, and where we're going. And we are bound by scriptures because it is God's word. And that's why Luther stood up in front of the Pope and the Emperor and said, I can't retract anything because I'm bound by Scripture. I'm bound by grace. I'm bound by what Scripture says on heaven and on forgiveness. I'm bound by it. But isn't the Bible written by people? Isn't the Bible written by men? Yeah. In fact, over 40 different authors wrote the Bible. So how does that work? Here's a good illustration of what that means. The the Bible is kind of like an orchestra. An instrument by itself, if we had a trumpet lying here, you wouldn't say, man, that trumpet's making good music because the trumpet wouldn't be doing anything. But if the person if there was a person here playing the trumpet, you would be saying, man, that man's making or or woman is making really good music on the trumpet. In the same way, each author is like that instrument, and God is a person playing the instrument. It's God who gave them what to say. It's God who directed their writing. And each instrument, each person on their own, writes beautiful letters and stories. Paul, you take one of his letters, beautiful. Matthew, beautiful. Jonah, beautiful. But when we put them all together, It's like an orchestra and makes the most beautiful message that we ever know. That's why we're bound to God's Word. We're bound by Scripture because it is God's Word. Every single sentence, every single word is God's Word. We're also bound by Scripture because it is inerrant. In other words, there are no errors. On the night before Jesus died... He was in the upper room with his disciples. And in John chapter 17, he's uh, saying his high priestly prayer is what we call it. His high priestly prayer was to God the Father on behalf of his disciples and other believers. And Jesus says this, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Do you remember what the word sanctify means? It means to make holy. So Jesus is praying, Make them holy by the truth, Father. Your word is truth. When God's word is preached or taught, the Holy Spirit works through that to create and strengthen faith in Jesus as our Savior. And through our faith, we get Jesus' perfect life, His innocent death and resurrection as our own. And that's what makes us holy. Scripture is Truth is what Jesus is saying. In other words, there are no errors. There's only one place in all the world 
where you can find absolute truth, where you can be sure that what you're hearing is the truth. And today, what is it? Politics, right? You can fact check everything. Why, why are you laughing? You can fact check everything, right? They don't speak out of both sides of their mouths. But seriously, <laughs> that was a joke. But seriously, as, as I was preparing for this, I realized that everything in life changes, doesn't it? Everything does. I know I've changed. I used to hate broccoli and asparagus. I love broccoli and asparagus now. You've changed. Your spouse has changed. Your kids have changed. Our culture has changed. Everything has changed except for one thing, and it's God's Word. Why? Because it was written by a holy and perfect God, and therefore what is in God's Word is God's Word. And it is truth. And it is timeless truth because it's holy and perfect. So what's that mean for you and me? What's it mean for our daily lives? That means that if our emotions, that means if our wants and desires, that means if our culture contradicts God's Word, then we have to reorient how we think. A good illustration for it is, uh, some of you know this, some of you saw this at the School of Outreach from Pastor Lindemann, but God's Word is like this. It rules us. It's above us. It determines how we think. It determines our emotions. It determines our culture. We reorient ourselves to this. God's Word rules us because there are no errors. Uh, Professor August Pieper in the early 1900s said, To sum up, Scripture is God's inerrant Word from the first to the last letter. Therefore, Scripture is the sole and absolute teaching authority. Human reason is merely the outward organ whereby we hear what God has spoken. As soon as reason wants to be more, it corrupts theology. And that's tough, isn't it? It's tough for me. We want to reason God's Word. We use our reasoning, and and when when our reasoning can't understand God's Word, we want our reasoning to be right. On Friday, I flew up to New Ulm, Minnesota, to Martin Luther College, where Ann and I went to college. And I was in New Ulm to present to them on how to start a church. And part of the reason I... Not part of the reason I was there, but part of what I got to do while I was there was go and eat in the cafeteria at MLC. And uh, I know that doesn't sound like a treat, college food, but they have a a, a big buffet. People from town come to eat at uh, their cafeteria. And so I went in and uh, it was great. It was wing night. So I took some wings. Uh, They also had some roast beef, so I took a slice of that. I took some fish and I had some potato wedges. And for some reason, I had a glass of 2% milk. I never drink milk with my dinner, but I did that night. Uh, I left a lot behind, though. I didn't touch the rotisserie chicken, rotisserie chicken, uh, the mashed potatoes. I, I didn't even touch the pizza, didn't even think about a salad, and uh, I left the desserts alone. That's how we want to view God's Word sometimes, isn't it? We want to pick and choose what we take. We love Jesus dying on the cross for us. We'll take some of that. 
We love baptism. Uh, being brought into God's family. We'll take that. We love Holy Communion. God washing our sins away and God giving us Jesus' body and blood for the forgiveness. We'll take that too. We love the fact that Jesus is going to come back one day and take us to be in heaven with Him forever. We're going to take some of that too. But we don't necessarily like to talk about sin, so we want to leave that. We don't like to talk about hell, so we're going to leave that also. We don't like the parts of Scripture that contradict our culture, so we're going to leave that alone too. But what have we done? We just said that there's errors in God's Word. The buffet style doesn't work when we look at God's Word because God's Word is truth. And we have to accept that all the words in the Bible are true. We are bound by Scripture. And if we do anything else, if we pick and choose, and we have that attitude, we're sinning. Because then what are we doing? We're saying, God, I know what you say, and I don't care. I'm going to pick and choose what I want. We are bound by Scripture because it's inerrant. And finally, we are bound by Scripture because it is powerful. Paul says in Romans 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Have you ever been ashamed for preaching Jesus' death and resurrection? Have you ever explained to someone, has someone ever asked you, hey, what's, what's uh, this Lutheran church about? What's Christianity about? And you say, oh, well, this is what we believe. We believe that uh, this world is sinful and Jesus came and He lived and died and He rose again and now we're going to heaven. Have you ever said that and just felt completely foolish? Paul says we do not need to be ashamed because that message is the power of God. And that word power in the Greek is dynamis. Does that sound familiar? It's where we get our word dynamite. God's word is like dynamite. It blows through our stony, hard hearts to create faith. And if you think about it, that's exactly what's happened to you, isn't it? You're sitting here right now, a Christian, with your faith in Jesus. Not because someone had such persuasive words that you couldn't help but think about it, that you were tricked into believing it. The facts didn't line up in the Bible so well that you you had no choice but to accept them. No. You believe in Jesus because the message is powerful. And it's that powerful message that affects you day in, day out, isn't it? You go to sleep at night, and as you're laying in bed, and you're thinking through your day, you realize all the times that you haven't lived up to God's expectation just that day. And yet, what's the peace that this powerful message brings you? Jesus lived perfectly for you. As you lay there with your sins on your mind and you wonder what you have to do, you remember, I don't have to do anything because this powerful message of Jesus has broken through my stony heart and I believe that He paid for each and every one of them on the cross. That powerful message gives you peace even in the face of death because you remember that because Jesus rose, so will you.
We are bound by Scripture because it's powerful, and we are bound by Scripture because it's only in Scripture that we find this powerful message. We can't go out to the woods and meditate and find it. We can't go up into our bedrooms and find it. It's only in God's Word. Earlier this year, uh, my friend Krista reached out to me. She said, hey, I just wanted to let you know uh, that I really appreciate those conversations we used to have, and I'm sorry for giving you so much trouble. I said, no problem. And she goes, I I wanted you to know that because I've been taking classes and I'm joining a Christian church this weekend. And uh, part of the reason is because I've never forgotten those conversations, so thank you. I didn't do much. All I said was, The Bible says so. I didn't have persuasive words. I didn't have good arguments. I just said, here's what God's Word says. And it's powerful. Martin Luther, even though he wouldn't retract, wasn't put to death. And he continued to write. In fact, he went into hiding and he translated the whole Bible into German so that the people could actually read it. Up to that time, uh, it was only in Latin and no one spoke Latin anymore. And so the people were reliant on the Pope and and the priests to tell them what God's Word says. Now the people had God's powerful Word in hand and they could read it for themselves. You and I, we are bound by the Scriptures. We are bound by God's inspired, inerrant, and powerful Word because it's the power and it brings salvation to everyone who believes. Here we stand. May God help us. Amen. Please stand.